Hi and welcome to this episode of our podcast, In One Ear and Out the Other, brought to you by Anexa Vets. I'm Emma Franklin, one of the vets at Anexa, and today I'm talking to George Watson. George is a dairy vet and one of his areas of special interest is in bull fertility, which is why I've nabbed him for a chat today. Over the last few episodes of this podcast, Train and I have been talking all about the cows and I thought it was about time that the boys got a look in. Hi George. Hi Emma, happy to be here. It's always good to have a chat about what's going on on farm. Thank you. Now that we're getting to the end of the AB season, you know, all of the farmers and the vets have been up to their eyes in all things repro, it's nearly time for those bulls to get in there and take over and do their job. So with that in mind, I'd like to get some of your thoughts on the do's and don'ts of bull management on farm. Sure. It's always nice to get to the end of the AB period. We all feel like those months of hard work are finally coming to a bit of a close. But having the bulls on farm doesn't always mean it's an easy time to manage. Boys will be boys after all. (laughs) They sure will. So, George, during your time as a vet, both here in New Zealand and across the ditch in Aussie, you must have just about seen it all when it comes to all things bulls and bull management. So can you give our listeners some tips to make sure that they're getting the most out of the natural mating period on their farm? And I guess importantly, doing everything to make sure that those bulls are going to stay healthy so that they're really fit for the job at hand. Yeah, sure. I've got three main tips. Keep bulls off the races and the concrete areas unless it's absolutely necessary for them to be on those areas. Uh, The second one would be to observe the bulls daily. Any sign of abnormalities, we need to pull them out and get them checked. And thirdly, I'd avoid mixing groups of bulls as much as possible. Once they've established their social hierarchy, it's really important that we don't disturb that as fighting will result in injuries and that's just a hassle for everyone. Let's break it down a little bit more and explain why you think each of those are important. So first of all, why does it matter whether the bulls go on the races or not? Well, bulls aren't acclimatised to walking the distances that the milking cows have been acclimatised to over the season so far. So their feet, and particularly the soles on their feet, are not as... um, used to walking on hard surfaces and walking as far as as those cows. So they wear their feet down much more quickly than cows will tend to wear their feet down. And that leaves them prone to injuries from penetrations, from sharp things like stones and rocks. But just the general wear and tear is enough to make those bulls painful and lame. Okay, and what's the issue then if a bull does go lame? A lame bull who's only mildly affected might still continue to serve cows. But can we guarantee that? And can we guarantee he's going to serve enough cows to make sure we meet our in-calf goals for the end of the season? The point is we don't know. And when we find out, it'll be at scanning time. And that's just far too late. We can't do anything about our pregnancy rates when we're scanning. That's that's the end of the road. So I guess it's it's like a lot of the stuff that we do in veterinary and, and cows at a herd level. It's about risk management. Absolutely. It's a bit of an insurance policy, if you'd like, to make sure that we're doing everything we can to get a good result when scanning comes around in December and January. Okay, so you want to keep the bulls off the races. Absolutely. That means leaving them in the paddock. It does. How? Well, it's it's actually not that difficult at all. I've got farmers who tell me quite regularly that they've been managing to tra- train their bulls to stay in the paddock. So the first thing I would do is identify your bulls really clearly with something like bright paint or reflective tape or anything that makes the bulls clearly stand out from the cows in the herd. Which, of course, you say reflective because actually when you're getting those cows in for morning milking, it's still dark. 
Absolutely. Right, okay, so we can spot the bull, so then what do we do? So then we need probably a couple of staff members in the initial few days to a week of training these bulls to help block them or draft them at the gate gateway onto the race. And we just want to let the cows filter through quietly and just gently encourage the bulls to stay back in the paddock. And that will take a few days for them to get used to, but after that they're often quite capable of learning that they, their time to stay in the paddock is when the cows go up to the feed pad or the, the milking shed, and they're quite happy to wait until the cows return later on, and they go on to a fresh break often and, and wait for the girls to come back after milking. Yeah, and I think the key there that you said you need a couple of staff. Absolutely. They're quite agile fellas, funnily enough, bulls. Even though they're quite big and bulky compared to cows, they can dart around quite quickly. Oh, I've seen them move, and I tell you, people have seen me move too as well once those bulls get moving. We've all moved pretty quick around a bull once or twice, but yeah, I think a couple of staff members makes it all the more easy just to safely uh, hold a couple of bulls back or however many might be in your team and let the cows filter through and just with the use of a motorbike, uh, you can encourage those bulls to walk back down the back of the paddock and wait for the girls to leave. Okay, lovely. So that sounds good. Let's say that plan A doesn't quite work. The bulls get out onto the race. Then do you just let them go right through the milking process with the cows or should we be stopping them from going into the shed and onto the concrete at the shed? Again, I think you've got to do what's practical. So, yeah, look, the bulls are going to beat us from time to time. The simple matter would be not to stress them out and cause them to run and, and increase the risk of aggravating those injuries. So if it needs be, let them go up to the concrete and on the, onto the yard and then find an opportune time to quietly uh, draft them back off. And that might be after a couple of rows of cows have gone through and there's a little bit of room at the back of the milking yard that they can slip back out through the uh, backing gate or something like that. Yeah, so I guess it's trying to achieve the best situation while still maintaining being sensible and staying practical. Ideally, though, we don't want those bulls riding cows on the concrete where we're going to increase the risk of cows getting injured, so things like dislocated hips, bulls getting injured, plus, of course, when you've got bulls getting confined, if the backing gate's closing in, you're going to increase the risk of aggression and bulls fighting and more injuries happening. Never mind the risk to humans. Yeah, bulls in confined spaces are much more dangerous than bulls in paddocks. They, they have their own personal space, for want of a better term, and if we compromise that by putting other bulls or even ourselves in those tight areas such as the milking yard, then we risk provoking them to do unpredictable things like charge or bunt us out of the way and fight with each other. As well, cows don't have the opportunity to sort of take themselves away from bulls that are keen to mount them when they're on heat. So we just need to be careful that the bulls don't overdo it on the yard and that everyone is safe, including the cows and also including the bulls. We don't want them to injure themselves either. Absolutely, because we only have a certain number of bulls and we want to make sure that they stay as healthy as possible, which I think leads us really nicely then into your second point, George, which was making sure that you observe those bulls every day and identify any issues and deal with it as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone will have their observation skills top-notch after a busy heat detection period for the AB uh, mating process. We just need to tinker our observation skills a little bit uh, in the natural mating process to not just focus on the cows, but also look at the bulls. So what are we looking for with those bulls? What sort of things should we be thinking about? So the number one thing, again, I would think about is, are the bulls lame? So we need to see them walking around normally, able to keep up with the herd as they graze up and down the paddock. Uh, we need to look out for any obvious abnormalities with the bulls, so a unwillingness to graze, an unwillingness to walk around the paddock, uh, swellings in important areas such as the sheath or penis area, and just any bull that doesn't look quite right, 
it warrants being taken out of the mob, brought up to the to the yard area where we can safely observe him. And if we're really concerned about him, then I think the best thing to do is probably to call one of the vets because that will give you peace of mind very quickly that it's something to worry about and we can put a treatment plan in place or we can allay your fears and we can get the bull back working as soon as possible if that's applicable. Yeah, good point, George. Can we just take a moment here, though, to talk about the impact that being sick or having an infection or being lame can have on a bull's fertility and and how that happens? Sure. So when bulls are sick or fighting an infection, their body temperature rises. For fertile sperm to be produced, we need the testicles to be at a lower temperature than the bull's normal body temperature. So that's normally two to three degrees lower than what the bull normally operates at. So if we have an infection causing a spike in the bull's body temperature, we're going to cause subfertile or infertile sperm to be produced. What you're really saying is that the temperature goes up and those sperm get cooked. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So it could take up to 70 days for normal sperm to start being produced again from the time that the bull goes back to being normal and healthy. So we're looking at a long period of time from the initial injury or illness to when a bull can actually start being fertile again. So 10 weeks for him to be fertile again, but in the Kiwi system, he's only going to be working for, what, six to eight weeks? Yeah. So unfortunately, if a bull suffers any injury or illness during the mating period, he's probably on the bench for the rest of the season. Right, on the bench. So that implies that we don't just leave them there. So do we take them out? Yes, we need to take them out. If it happens to be the most dominant bull in the group that we're mating on that particular day, he can do a whole lot of damage by preventing his mates from getting in and doing the job for us. We won't be achieving pregnancies. We'll be waiting another 20 days. Right, so he's not getting them pregnant, but neither are any of his buddies or his not buddies because he's fighting with them or blocking them and they're not getting cows pregnant either. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Now, third point, George... You said avoid mixing groups. Yeah, so I said before we need to establish our teams of bulls early on, a couple of weeks before mating preferably, so they sort out all their fighting. So if we have a bull that goes down and becomes injured and unavailable to work, then we can't just substitute another bull in because that's going to take another two to three weeks for them to organise who's the most dominant bull and who's the least dominant bull in the group. And in that time, we're going to miss cows getting mated and we risk more bulls getting injured through that process of social dominance organization okay so we establish those teams of bulls but we know that we have to rotate bulls in the herd so how often should we rotate those teams that's a really good question and i don't think there's a completely right answer it just is a matter of what works best for individual farm and individual worker sort of setups so some teams will be rotated from a night to a day team and that'll happen each day and and those teams probably work best where people are able to draft bulls at the paddock gate Other people who probably are struggling more to separate bulls out in the paddock may need to work on a three and two system. So three days on, two days off or vice versa. So it doesn't really matter as long as we're getting some rest into each bull team to let them recuperate uh, some energy and allow themselves to rest up between their sort of action periods. Okay. Um, I think that's really good, George. I think we might be fairly close to leaving it at that so if I can just sum up your three top points that we've gone through you've said number one try and keep those bulls in the paddock as much as possible so we're minimizing their walking reducing any time spent on tracks or concrete absolutely we just need to look after those feet number two is observe them closely every day so out of the mindset of only looking at the cows we need to observe those bulls every day and if we see anything at all out of the ordinary we want to act on that as soon as possible it might be nothing but let's identify any issues and deal with them as quickly as possible. 
and finally get those bull teams nice and stable and leave them as they are and avoid mixing them once those hierarchies have been established. Yeah, you've summed it up really well. They need as much TLC and care as the cows do. Brilliant. Well, George, thank you so much for talking to me today about all things bulls and bull management. And thanks to the listeners for listening to this episode of In One Ear and Out the Other. You can listen to previous episodes of our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. You can also find them on our website. And while you're there at anexa.co.nz, you can sign up to get our monthly newsletter, Dairy Talk, emailed directly to you. If you have any topics or subjects that you'd like us to talk about in the podcasts, just send us an email either at Anexa Dairy Vets or you can look at us up on Facebook Messenger. That's it from us. Thank you, George. That's been really good talking to you today. And Thanks, we will Emma. See you again on our next episode of In One Ear and Out the Other.